leaders that have come up to me and said thank you uh, for the structure. Thank you for the accountability. Thank you for uh, the attention to detail. Thank you for the discipline. You buying it, Tyler? Yeah, she would say. Yeah, no, I, I really am because that's been the overall tone out of the entire program. You're not seeing guys enter into the transfer portal. Uh, the media has been at several practices. You've been at several practices. They are. It is intense. They are tackling. Every, everyone looks like they're all in. I wholeheartedly agree, or, or believe, I should say, that that's, that's what's going on. Doesn't mean that there won't be guys in the transfer portal here in a few weeks. Right. There will be guys in the transfer portal, just because for some of these guys, they're never going to have an opportunity to play at OU. That's why. But the, the overall buy-in, yeah. Yeah, it, it feels like it's exactly where it needs to be. And man, in terms of things that you wanted to accomplish this spring... You wanted to develop players and install your system and all that, but first things first, man. You had to establish some culture, establish the identity of this staff, have kids be bought in, and feels like they've, they've, they've done that. Well, here's the thing, and to me it's not shocking that they've told him and thanked him for the structure and the attention to detail. Uh, here's, here's one of – like, Venables is – Come in, and he's proclaimed loudly that he's going to hold everyone accountable. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're a freshman or a senior. It doesn't matter if you're a star or a, a backup scout team guy. It doesn't matter. Everyone's going to be held accountable. The expectations are the same for everyone. And the reason guys like that is when you have a system that treats everyone differently, well, there's this constant – it's not pressure, but there's a searching for what can I get away with, you know? Sure. Whenever you have star players that are out of practice because – they're injured a little bit. No one's really sure how bad they're hurt, but they're over there in street clothes, cutting it up on the sideline. All the other guys that are out there sweating in the heat and you know going through the, the rough part of playing football are looking over at that saying, that's not fair. I wonder if I can hold out if I'm, if I'm just banged up a little bit and not feeling it today. So then you start having the animosity back and forth between guys. Um, you know, some guys miss a workout, another guy misses a workout, and one guy gets away with it, the other guy is is punished for it. You can't run a program like that. Whenever the expectations are laid out and it's black and white, here's what's expected of you, here's how you practice, here's how you meet, here's how you conduct yourself whenever you're at the facility, here's how you conduct yourself when you're not at the facility. When it's all laid out for you, it, it's almost calming because you don't have to sit there and think about what are you missing out on and what could you, what path could you probably have to make things easier on yourself. It's, it creates a much easier, better environment whenever, well, for lack of a, a better way of putting, 
putting it, it's brutally hard on everyone, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, one of the things that I'm interested to see on Saturday because, like, you go into practice or, you know, someone else going to practice, it's, well, here's the visual that you get. Uh, Vittables is running around with a bullhorn, you know, yelling at people after every single snap, right? And mm-hmm. I think everyone that hears that is like, yes, all right, he's the same guy that he's always been now that he's a head coach. Awesome. What is he going to look like? You know, on Saturday in front of everyone. I mean, this is his. This is obviously his first chance to to be a head coach. Is he going to look like he was as a defensive coordinator on Saturday, or is he going to be a much more reserved, calm version of himself? I, I don't think it's going to be the latter. I think he's going to be as intense as he is every other day. My guess is he will be fully involved coaching at every point. Um, the one thing you'll notice is once he steps on the field, it is totally locked in. Now, the game day tasks are a little bit different than practice tasks, right? Whenever you jog on the field at practice, you're fully involved in practice. When you jog on the field at the spring game, you're totally involved in the spring game, and that is a totally different element. From the time he comes out there, he will be either like chatting it up with recruits, holding court with recruits, yep. talking to former players, talking to uh, like what if there's any type of presentation that he's a part of. Like it will not stop until he walks off the non-stop. field. Non-stop. He won't ever just be standing there not no. doing anything. He'll no. always be doing something. And totally. Whenever he walks off the field, it's not like it stops then. It's just like now it's going into the facility. Oh, yeah. And it's it'll be full on in there. He'll probably go right up and start watching film. or Well, I guess they'll still be with recruits afterwards, but it never stops. And my guess Saturday is he will probably be leaning heavily defense, coaching defense. That's kind of how it goes in in practice because he's still, you know, uh, he is obviously specialized in defense, in that defense in particular. So uh, that's where you'll see the most of his active coaching. I mean, because they need him, especially this year with the install and everything. That's like this is really the offseason that they need him. You know, not that he can't focus on the offense, but. Right. Like I trust Jeff Levy to take care of what he needs to take care of offensively, and Beedenbo and Demarco and all those other assistants. Like, yeah, let BV be on the defensive side of the ball. I I feel like the offense is, will be okay. Yeah, it'll be all right. Text line says, "What's the over under on how many blood vessels BV burst on Saturday?" I don't know. I don't think it's going to be. I uh, I haven't seen any moments from him that are the busting a blood vessel moment now he is actively coaching and actively coaching hard non-stop but it's not like you know just brutal assault which maybe it's gotten to that point because I was there I think right around the halfway point of of spring and at the longer you're out there the more uh, you're expected to make fewer and fewer mistakes, and whenever you make a mistake, especially if you're making the same type of a mistake over and over, then it, that becomes an issue. So, I don't, I don't think you'll see him like losing his cool out there. He'll be coaching nonstop, 
but I don't think you'll see him lose his cool. Uh, by the way, here's some good news. Now, I know everyone uses a different weather app. And as soon as I say mm. this, well, well, my app says that everyone uses a different one. Uh, what was it, 40% chance that we saw when the show started today? It's down to a 30% chance of rain on Saturday. Now, the wind's still high. Winds uh, south at 25 to 35 miles per hour. Occasional gust over 40 miles per hour. But it's down 10% since we uh, first hopped on the air at 3 p.m. What a- I'll take it. What weather app do you use? I just use the lame weather channel app. Hmm. I use, I've got the, um, the lame, just the Apple, whatever the weather mm. thing is, but I do have the forewarn me app because I need to see the, this is a stupid thing about direct TV. Uh, whenever you've got a tornado bearing down on you, you can't see the coverage anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's so, awesome. So I have to have the forewarn me app to see what's going on. Well, on your app, you're seeing 30% as well. That's right, 30%. Yeah. Windy with scattered thunderstorms, especially in the afternoon. Wind south at 20 to 30. I think we're good, dude. I think it's going to be great. If we get thunderstorms, they're going to be late uh, late afternoon, early evening. Is that your official uh, Monday weather forecast? Yeah. Are, are you going to lock in that forecast or – or are you going to reserve the right to change it on Thursday uh, afternoon? Well, considering it's changed already during our broadcast. By 10%. And it's changed daily since we started talking about it last week, then I reserve the right to change. Is Baker going to speak or not? I don't, I don't think he's going to speak at halftime. Why? I just, it's just odd to have a... Day that revolves around Baker and a guy that was always talking is not going to talk. Maybe the uh, occasional wind gust at forty miles per hour won't sound good in a mic. I'm not. Here's real what's going to sure happen. How that works, but and get your uh, PA announcer voice ready because here's okay. what's going to happen. Uh, during halftime, they're going to break. I'm guessing the players probably won't go in. They'll move over to the sideline. And then the PA guy's going to come on and, and say, direct your attention to the South scoreboard. Direct your attention to the South scoreboard. Please welcome Baker Mayfield. That's right. what he's going to say. And then they're going to have like a big, long highlight video. And then the statue's going to be out there. And then there's going to be like, he'll read from some stuff and I – I think that's how it's going to go. I don't think ba- they're going to hand Baker the mic and he's going to go, uh, uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. Oh, yeah, because that's exactly how Baker sounds when he gets the mic. That's totally right. That's how he <laughs> always sounds. That's Are how you serious? every player sounds. Yeah, except Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I really want to thank Lincoln Riley for uh, for really changing the offense whenever I was here. Um don't, <laughs> don't listen to Teddy. Even if they don't give him the mic, he's going to grab the mic and say, Texas sucks, Lincoln Riley's a wuss, boomer sooner or something. Yeah, That's actually – Big stage for Baker. Yeah, he probably will do that. He just was on a podcast uh, slamming his current team. I don't think that he's going to be scared to throw some shade. Like We keep saying all day long, he isn't in, in an interesting situation and maybe – you would think he's trying to watch more of what he says now than ever, but judging by that podcast, maybe not really. Throw some shade at Texas? I, everyone. Texas, 
Lincoln? He's not going to throw any shade at Lincoln. Well, he should. There's no way. He should. Well, I, I agree he should, but he was already given the opportunity on the podcast and didn't. Oh, he knows. Yeah, he knows how much he means to me. Right. So, I don't know. I Maybe he'll talk. I don't I guess. Is that right? Yeah, he'll talk. He, when is he never? That's what I'm saying. When is he not talked? He's always talked. Yeah. <laughs> Did Bradford talk at his Heisman statue? I, I, I couldn't hear. Just Billy was screaming Boomer the entire time. I, well, I, I, I think I when they hear. unveiled Bradford's statue, he sent it a video message from Montana. <laughs> Probably so, with terrible Wi-Fi that kept cutting out. It was pre-recorded, I think. <laughs> Pre-recorded. Oh, that's that's Montana. another good one. If uh, Billy Sims is going to be there, how many uh, <laughs> how many boomers do we get in the backdrop? That's you know? actually a good question. <laughs> I'm going to set it at three and a half. If if Baker has the microphone, like I'm sure they'll have all the Heisman winners out there. If Baker has the microphone and is talking uh, during the statue unveiling at halftime, Billy's going to walk up and grab the microphone from him. And you yell know boomer. what? And I'm okay with that. I hope that happens. <laughs> It'll probably be a pre-recorded message on the big screen. That's the text line. Uh, seriously, Tyler, can you do an entire segment in the OU announcer <laughs> voice? I tried to before. Well, I you can't do a pre-recorded message if you're standing down on the field. It can would be you? a pretty baller move, actually. Yeah, yeah, maybe it'll like the black backdrop. Uh, someone standing in the studio doing a asking him a couple questions. Yeah, maybe they'll do that. Y'all need this weather app. Uh, what the forecast? You can change the level of cursing cursing in the settings. <laughs> wow, that's it funny. looks amazing. That's funny. If they had the spring game in Elk City, they would never have to worry about rain again. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, uh, Elk City's high school stadium. Doesn't hold sixty five thousand. That's your. Uh, that's kind of your line as to. No, you said fifty five thousand, right? Is the acceptable number that you're going with? Well, it's just it's acceptable. Like, okay, well, we beat the old record. I, I'm not happy with it, but I guess it's acceptable. So if they only get fifty five thousand, Brent Venables is going to be. Well, Pretty you asked me. I don't know what Brent Venables' number is. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying in general, if it's, if it's not what he thinks it should be, like he's going to be disappointed. Do you think he's going to relay that disappointment uh, at the post game press conference or at any other point? Uh, at some point, perhaps. Yeah. If it's, I, he it matters. So if it matters, then yes, I think he'll he'll say something about it. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But here's here's my main thing. I remember when they announced the 51 or 52. You know and I know there was not 52,000 people. Oh, there. so you think that they might bump up that number. No, I don't care what they do with the number. I care about what it looks like. You can tell. When, if you've got 50,000 people there, that's a huge amount of people. I don't remember it ever looking like it. There was sure. fifty some thousand people there. The interesting thing is, I don't. It's a whole bunch of general admission tickets, so no. just a bunch of people with GA tickets just kind of filing in, probably all around the same time is going to be 
rather like there needs to be a system like if you walk yeah. down a gate like go all the way down and you know like fill up row by row type of thing i i guess that that's not going to happen now. doubtful i i guess you can't issue um uh i guess you can't issue like seat spots because you you would have to charge more for others and if you can't get a good seat people would be dissuaded from purchasing a ticket right so general admission everyone's got the thought that they'll get there and get a good seat you know so i guess it makes sense why they do it but it i can understand if it's a bit chaotic so it might get a little bit chaotic on good. saturday with people trying to find seats good let's but have that'll some buzz. set that'll set the tone for the rest of the day all right quick time out more from the rush coming up final hour rolls on It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman inside the Brown O'Haver Studios. Keep the text coming on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. 405-651-3439. Seven college football coaches under the most pressure entering the 2022 season by CBS Sports. Some very familiar names on this list, and some of these I don't know if I necessarily agree with, but the first name on the list is the former coach here. Muleshoe himself is the first name listed at USC. Well, I, I agree with that. Whenever you're reportedly making $10 million a year, $10 million at least a year, um, everyone has like, – you brought a quarterback that's got a lot of fanfare, and ESPN is drowning people with – hot takes about how good you're going to be out there. And um, obviously they've got the spring game televised with their whole crew out there. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of eyeballs on Lincoln Riley and USC. Uh, I, no. I, like All that's true. I think another thing, another factor that's, you know, raised uh, the pressure a little bit in year one is what Oregon has done in this three month span as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. Now, People might say, well, how could he ever have any pressure if he's making $10 million a year? That's true. I mean, that's true, but, you know, there there are going to be expectations from that fan base and from, you know, people nationally that, uh, you know, he earned that check. And, you know, at least some folks question whether or not he can turn a program around. So... Does he get a uh, a gimme year in year one? Now, I I don't. There's not a whole lot of people that think that he's going to go five and seven this year. Even I don't think he's going to go five and seven in year one. But he is dealing with a roster that's got a lot of holes, man. And he is a coach that I, we, we saw him fail to develop and fail to really separate in second half of football games. If he were to go five and seven in year one. Does he get an excuse year, or does everyone really start to turn on him after one season? If if he has a losing record, it's not going to be good. Now, how do they turn on him? I don't think they turn on him, but there's going to be there's going to be serious questions thrown his direction, right? But I don't think they're going to turn on him. You got to remember, 
place has not won a whole lot of football games in a while, so I think he's going to get a little bit longer of a leash than than some places may give, like like in Oklahoma, for example. Sure. Uh, name number two on this list, I I think this guy has zero pressure whatsoever because I think the decision has already been made. Brian Harson at Auburn. Apparently, he's one of the seven coaches got the most pressure, but like I said, he's he's got to get fired. He's going to get a nice buyout at the end of the year. Yeah, I, it, it does kind of feel like at this point you're just uh, you're going out there and accomplishing what you can, but, you know, they – they really did him a massive disservice with how they treated that whole situation. I mean, if you're a recruit, why would you go like even if you've always wanted to play for Auburn, why would you go to a place where the head coach the days are numbered? You have no idea who they may bring in after that. Totally. Could be someone you like, it could be someone that you can't stand. I mean, that's just going to kill them in recruiting. So, yeah, he's under pressure, but unnecessarily, I guess I should say. Steve Sarkeesian, head coach at the University of Texas, is also on the list. We know that they've yeah. got Bama early on the season. I think they'll be better than the 5-7 and seven record a year ago. But, Teddy, if they do struggle out of the gates, if they get just hammered by Alabama – if they barely beat UTSA, if they kind of stumble into Big 12 conference play and lose another conference game early, there could very much be a throw-in-the-towel-here-we-go-again type of attitude from, from, from Texas. And it seems like that has really happened once they get out of the OU game with the loss. That's yeah. when we've really seen in the past some Texas seasons turn south. There's still some optimism going into the OU game but if they had a couple losses before that one and then they lose the OU game, then, boy, Texas really starts rolling downhill. I I can almost guarantee they're going to have two losses going into the OU-Texas game. I mean, they play – they start off with Louisiana Monroe, who, you know, that's not a – that's not a terrible game. They're not what they were a couple of years ago, but there's some athletes down there. I think they win that game. Then they've got Alabama. I think they lose to Alabama. Then between UTSA, at Tech, and West Virginia at home, as of right now, until I see something differently, I expect them to lose one of those games. Sure, as would I. Now, only one of those. I think they'll be a two-loss team going into the mm-hmm. uh, going into Dallas, but sure. Yeah, and then and then you've got OU, which I would expect them to lose to OU. I can't predict that. That game is is always crazy. But I mean, if you are if you're three and three at that point in the season, and your season's over after six games, and you already are coming off a five-and-seven season. And yeah, you still man. got Kansas to play later? <laughs> I'm telling you. On the road this year? I, I'm not I'm not totally ruling out that they they fire Sark after year two. I, I think a lot of things would have to happen. I think they'd probably have to lose to Kansas again. But if this is OU and Texas last year in the Big 12, they go five and seven. They lose to Kansas again. I could totally see Texas saying, "All right, the buyout money is stupid. It sucks." 
but we'll pay it and we'll roll into the SEC with so hopefully some new optimism with the new head coach. Though we all know what's going to happen with the next guy. But who would who who would that new coach possibly no, I, be? No idea. No idea. You can't throw me one name. Uh, oh, oh, okay. I'll throw you Dan Lanning. One year of Oregon, they throw a ton of money his way to see if he'll leave Eugene. No way. I don't think he'd leave either, but I'm just giving you a name at right. least. Right. No, I'm with you. Mike Norvell at Florida State's on this list. They are just a dumpster fire. I do not. <laughs> Jimbo just – he left that in such a bad situation, they haven't recovered since. Well – But you should be able to recover in Tallahassee after a while. You should. I, You know, I just – I don't understand – I don't know the dynamics there on the ground enough really to – to, you know, give a good take on what's going on there, but right, Norvell is a good coach, but whenever you start off by lying about a conversation that you had with your players, whenever you didn't have that conversation, it's that's just not a good direction to go in, and you have to have like these special meetings with the players, and like that was not a good. I'm 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 sure they've put all that behind them by now. I'm, you know, there's no doubt, but. You know, whenever something like that happens, you have to immediately start questioning. Like, okay, is this the? Did we write, do the right thing here with this hire? I don't know. Scott Frost at Nebraska is uh, is on this list as well. We we know the situation there. Uh, Fifteen and twenty nine record since he's been in Lincoln. There are two games on OU schedule this year that could ultimately determine. If a guy is, you know, comes back next year or ultimately gets fired, or or at least the the way the direction of the season goes, that's kind of scary to think about. You know that you yeah. have two games on your schedule, one on the road, one on a neutral site, where one thousand percent they're going to be gunning for you. They're going to put so much emphasis on that game because their jobs, in one way or the other, could be on the line. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. The, the group so far that we've mentioned, I, I think I agree with every one of them that they're under, under a tremendous amount of pressure. How much pressure is Brent Venables under in year one? Given what the expectations are, what he's taken over, all that? A high amount. I th- yeah, because I don't think anyone – I think the baseline of expectations in terms of like the low end is two losses. I know. I agree. Like if you, I feel like if you ask, if you poll every OU fan, ninety nine percent are going to say, "Well, the baseline is a ten win season," which yeah. this roster is very capable of a ten win season. There is no doubt about it. But that's that's where it's at. I think anything less than a Big Twelve championship this year will be labeled as a disappointment after year one. So I agree with you. I don't think he has as much pressure as some of those other guys on the list, but it's as high. I mean, you're head coach at OU. It's always going to be high, but it's it's high, man. Yeah, I I don't think I mean, the way he's wanting to hit the ground running, uh, I because he's saying all the right things, he's doing all the right things, and whenever you whenever you're really nailing it, like he has so far, like the expectations slowly creep up there, right? And you know, and. and He's not just talking about it. Obviously, he wants them to be about it, and I feel like they're going to be. I, I, I could, I could see a two-loss regular season. It's, it's really kind of hard to think about it until you see this team play 
against someone else, you know? So I I feel like just because of what we've seen and we know a good amount of this roster, I feel like they have a a really good chance to be the best team in the Big 12. Like what does that mean and what does that what does that correspond to record-wise at the end of the year? I'm not exactly sure, but not only can they be the best team in the Big 12, I expect them to be the best team in the Big 12. Text line, Tyler and Teddy, remember Gary Patterson is already at Texas as a defensive analyst. I, I don't think they go that route. but I don't know, man. Know. I, I don't know. I, I would not I would not rule it out. Does Texas make a run at Muleshoe if they fire Sark, or does the SEC fear by TBOW end that before it starts? Well, the fear of the SEC, like, there's, there's no reason Lincoln – he, he's not going to leave USC. There's no chance. If he makes $10 million, I, I don't know how long his contract is, but he's going to have a $50-plus million buyout. It's, there's just no way. I can't imagine that happening. Uh, here's a scenario. Gus Malzahn brings UCF to the Big 12. They have a good team and win the league. Texas fires Sark, and Gus returns to the SEC as the new Texas head coach. That I, I could see that unfold. That that makes some sense. Or Gus Malzahn says, dang, this is a little bit of a uh, hidden gem out at UCF. I'm in the state of Florida. Florida, Florida State, Miami, all struggling to find their way. I can make good money in Orlando, win a lot of football games in the Big 12. Like I think some guys, not every guy, Teddy, but I think some guys get the taste of the big-time job like Auburn, and then they go to a place like UCF and say, man – I can grind and grind away with less against the you know better equipped programs in the country, or I can just hang out at a place like UCF where they've developed a nice little football program, make a decent living, and win a ton of games here. Yeah, and I think Gus Malzahn could be one of those guys that says, "Yeah, I'm I'm good out here. I'm good out here at UCF." I don't know. I I here's what will happen. I don't know who it will be. But Texas will they'll go all in on whoever the hot coach is at that point in time. Matt Rule will be the Texas head coach in 23, says the text line. Well, Matt Rule will not be the hot coach at the time whenever he's uh, probably ultimately fired by the Panthers at the end of this season. That's a good one, though. I, I like Matt Rule as a head coach. I, right. I totally agree with that. I, but I just – I don't know. Yeah, I, I like that guess. Matt Rule – it seems like it's been a rough go of it there at uh, the Carolina Panthers, which, you know, it's going to be a rough go anywhere in the NFL if you don't have a quarterback. That's a good one. One more. The expectation of a Big 12 championship or it's a failure is ridiculous. I know. But that's just kind of where we are. If if you think it's ridiculous, then right, did you think it was ridiculous last year that we didn't at least play in the Big 12 championship game? Because I do. I mean, w- there's no reason that Baylor or Oklahoma State should have better football team than Oklahoma. And I feel the exact same right now. It, you say it's ridiculous, but like, find me two or three losses on the schedule that that like today you look at and say that those teams are going to be better than us. Now, 
obviously circumstances can change throughout the season. If if we were to lose our quarterback to injury and stuff like that, like, that changes how you project the team finishing. But right now, we still have the most talented roster in the conference. Yep. So, and I and I think we've got an excellent coaching staff. And it does take time, but it doesn't take from where they're starting. It shouldn't take that long. I mean, last year they had they still had a chance. They almost beat Oklahoma State. As bad as the final three weeks of the season were, they, they don't s- muff a punt and allow a kickoff return. Then they just win special teams in that game. Or yeah. you know, and a lot of people think that that pass interference call should have been yeah. called. And that team is as dysfunctional and weird as it was is playing in a Big 12 championship game. So, I mean, I don't think it's ridiculous that that that's the expectation because we've won it every single year except for last year over the past six. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Final hour rolls on. Final hour of The Rush. It is The Rush on the Ref, brought to you by Pacifico. Pacifico, let it remind you to live life anchors up. We've already given away one pair of tickets to the spring game for this weekend. Uh, I think we have about 18 more tickets to give away throughout the rest of the week, so keep it locked on The Ref all week long for your chance to win some free spring game tickets. Texas celebrates like they won the national championship on Saturday after beating OU softball and ending the winning streak at 40. But last year, lost a game at Georgia. This team got right and eventually went on and won a national championship. Do you think the same thing is going to happen with this year's OU softball team after losing Saturday at Texas? Yeah. You sure? Yeah, I am. I feel... I feel pretty confident that that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, now, I guess, I guess something could go wrong along the way. And I mean, here's the thing: whenever you're as good as they are, you've got a massive target on your back, right? And every team is going to come out totally, totally on edge, especially when you get in the postseason. You you're not going to be able to have many opportunities to let your guard down. So. Yeah, I still feel that they're the overwhelming favorite to win the whole thing. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they uh, how they respond here in in the coming week. Uh, I I would imagine that they're going to respond in a very strong uh, manner. With that, I think they're at North Texas tomorrow, and then Iowa State at home for a three game set. So some very uh, favorable opponents here, but. I, still, uh, regardless of the level of competition, let, let's see if they come out and dominate or not after a loss like that on, on Saturday. Yeah, I bet they do. I, I bet, you know, there's – anytime you take a, a loss in a situation like that, you typically see someone rebound with uh, some anger in their play. And with this group, I, I would expect that to be the case. Like, think about that. Uh, Texas is a – Good softball team. I, I Again, I wouldn't project them to make it to Oklahoma City, but can they make it to a super regional and, and really push someone there? Yeah, totally. I, they're, they are totally capable of making a 
you know, really nice postseason run and pushing for OKC. They're good. You played them in a three-game set on the road against the biggest crowd they've ever had in program history. You win against your biggest rival two out of three of those games. And it feels like a massive disappointment coming yeah. out of the week. You know what I mean? And I know that their standards are, you know, different than everyone else's in the country, but that's, that's just kind of interesting how that works out. Texas lost the series at home against its biggest rival, and it's like the, the best weekend they've had all year long. Yeah. Yeah, it, that's – it shouldn't be that way, but it is for them. And, you know, even last year's championship run – there was a couple worrisome moments, like when they lost that game to James Madison. It had a weird feeling to it. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like they're going to bounce. They're just they're too deep. Their pitching is too good. I mean, what they they gave up four in a loss, right? That's probably the most or close to it for the most runs they've given up in a game all year. Yeah, Tennessee had some runs on them early in the season, and it was one nothing in, what, the bottom of the sixth, and Texas hit a basing, bases-clearing triple. So, I mean, theoretically, you get that out, hands it, hits the two-run bomb, maybe you win that game. But right. I don't. there's not a sky-is-falling feel, but it's just they lose one game, man, after an incredible start, and it's like, oh, man, how they – how are they going to bounce back? This will be interesting. I mean, they're still they're still the best team in the country. Uh, yeah, I think they're they're so good offensively that um, you know Texas's pitcher performed really well. They didn't have it going, but that is I I don't I, I, maybe I worry about this. It's so weird to say I worry more about pitching than I do their offense, but. It's really hard to pick what one you're worried about because you're not really worried about either one, right? Yeah, um, I mean, but if you want to go there, I, I guess the the pitching was more consistent than the offense was this past weekend. I mean, yeah. Thursday night, what did they have? Three runs that they scored, I guess? That's and true. And then Saturday, just two. Now, here's the only reason that I say I'm more worried about pitching than offense is because you've got excellent pitching, but – and maybe it doesn't matter. I'm just saying postseason experience with your pitching, you know? Sure, yeah. That's a factor. But at the end of the day, if you can get it over the plate, you got your stuff, it, it shouldn't matter whether yeah, it's a regular Montana, season or I mean, or that's a, a fair point. Montana Fouts has a lot of postseason um, So does experience. Sander Cock. Yes, she does. So yes. And the uh, – the girl from Washington. Gabby Plain. Well, I oh, you uh, eliminated her last year in the right. Super Regional, but that's see right. what you're saying. So that would be the only reason I would say that because offensively they've just been so amazing for going on several years now. I do feel bad for North Texas. It's not, not yeah. a fun spot to be in, you know? Yeah. Especially if you're, not, not just North Texas, the pitcher for North Texas. Yeah. It's a pretty rough spot. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that is going to be that is going to be weird. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap up the day next. Stay tuned.